Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to turn them over to Genesis chapter 40. And uh, we are continuing on our study, Life. We have seen so much in this study already. We've seen uh, Joseph's lineage. And way back in the very beginning, when we first started this study, the first thing that we noticed about Joseph's lineage that was an encouragement to us was this, that all of our families can be messed up. Y'all remember that? That was one of the very first things that we saw because it was about deception, it was about stealing, it was about getting what you wanted uh, and that's what Joseph, we said, you know, ma- imagine him watching a, a family video of what his grandpa and his dad were all about and be like, man, my family is messed up. And, it, and again, it shows us that God chose that line. And even though it was messed up, God used it in a great way. And so uh, even though that we're all recipients of God's grace, that we're all recipients of God's mercy, that no one in this room stands worthy in their own worthiness. Uh, before the Lord. It's only because of the righteousness, it's only because of the grace and the mercy of God that we can stand before him at all. It's all him. It's none, none of us. First Corinthians is sharing that this morning. First Corinthians tells us that he has made unto us sanctification, right, wisdom, righteousness, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So none of us have the right to stand before him. So we saw, again, all of our families can be messed up. We've seen so far in his life so many principles that we can apply in our life. And last week uh, was no exception. And if you were here, maybe some of you didn't realize uh, that we had some major obstacles that we were dealing with uh, in, in different areas of the, the worship service just that day. It was um, a lot. It was a lot to deal with all in one service. Uh, and the reality is, is that discouragement, frustration, the distractions could have won the victory. Uh, we could have said, you know what, we're just never doing this. We are never, we're, we're, we're just not going to do any of this ever again. And, uh, but we were immediately reminded, after all the distractions, after all of the, uh, the frustration, after all that, we were immediately reminded of what was most important, and that was Jesus Christ and his word. We, we were able to see a message. God's word was preached, and we were able to stay focused on him. And uh, the message, the, the life point that we saw was so amazing. Again, God knew everything was going to happen, and he was, I believe he taught our, our church here, listen, just continue focusing on me. Things are going to go wrong in this life. Things are going to not be ideal. Again, I love that song that, that Tiffany and Tony just sang. You know, I mean, golly, it's just not always going to be beautiful. It's not always going to be wonderful in this life. Uh, but man, we just rest in the Lord. Life point number one, or the life point that we saw last week was maintaining a servant's heart is vital in all circumstances of life. Because the reality is all of our circumstances, everyone in this room, mine, yours, all of us, all of our circumstances change. They go from ideal sometimes to absolutely horrible. Sometimes we have, man, everything's wonderful in my life. My family's great, finance is great, job's great, health's great, kids great. On and on and on, we think, man, it's actually okay. I mean, I actually have a little bit of problem in this area, but I can deal with that. Like, we go from that to nothing is right. We have problems at home. The kids are failing school. Everybody's health is sick. The finances stink. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. I mean, we go from, from all these circumstances, but all the circumstances of life, none of those things change what God's Word tells us. 
or calls us to be as servants. And so when we see Joseph, what we see is a person who has been doing everything humanly possible right. He's been being a moral person. He's refused temptation. He is, he's done all these things that are supposed to be right, and it's gotten him in worse trouble in, man, in man's eyes. It's got him in a worse circumstance. His, it's gone from dark to darker. It's gone from worse to worser, if that's a word. It's not worser. I know it's not. I was using the word. Okay. But, uh, but uh, it, 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 this has been his life. But when we see them, them bring the butler and the baker to the prison, the Bible very clearly told us, and he served them there. Joseph, who was over all the prison, had been given charge of everything. The Bible says everything that would go on in the prison all of the things that needed to go on, Joseph had the charge of it. He was over it all. He was over everything that would happen in the prison. Yet he was still a prisoner. He was still in a foreign land. He was still in bondage. All of his circumstances really looked really bad, even though he had this good aspect of his bad circumstance. But it didn't change who he was. It didn't change the fact, you know what? God has called me to serve, and I'm going to serve. And again, that was a reminder that we have uh, last week. Circumstances and feelings can't dictate on whether we will be faithful to the Lord or not. Can you imagine that? How often do our feelings change? I want to share this with you this morning. My feelings have changed many times already this morning. Amen. I got here early, and we began to pray, and I was on a high, and we came into practice, and it's still high, and, and then there was a low, and there was a high, there was a low. <laughs> There's just the feelings change. Our feelings change. But do, do, do the feelings that we experience, should they ever control how we serve our God? No. And that's, again, that's what we learned. The same thing with our circumstances. And so regardless uh, of how we feel or what we face, uh, we see the example of our Savior. And that's what we saw last week. Philippians chapter 2 showed us that he was in the form of God, but he made himself into the form of a servant. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So God himself sets the example that I'm coming among men in the form of a man and I'm going to be a servant and be obedient in my servitude to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That's our example. So when we look as Christians, what is our life supposed to look like? Even to the point of death, we are to remain faithful servants of God to his will. In Christ, we could look at his life and say, I mean, there was times that his, his circumstances were ideal. Right? I mean, you, you, you come as God in the flesh to this earth. You begin calling man to your kingdom, and all of a sudden they start leaving stuff. They're leaving their lives. They're leaving their livelihoods. They're, they're coming to follow you. And say, man, that's an ideal situation. That's what God would want. And then at one point in time, he's feeding thousands of people, and miracles are happening, and people are flocking to him. And there's thousands and multitudes of people. Just You would think that, that God would be like, yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. But then when it gets down to brass tacks, when it gets down to the rubber meat in the road, and he begins to say, listen, what this is all about is me having all of you and you having all of me. The Bible says that many of them went away. Many, multitudes departed him. Because that's what it's about with our relationship with God. It's about all or nothing. There's nothing in the Bible that says you can have a relationship with God and still have it your way. It's not Burger King. It's not. It's, it is all God's way. It is his way or nothing else. And it's not in a legalistic way. It's in a gracious way. It's in, I get to be a child of God. I get to serve God. And I believe that's why Joseph was able to serve 
even in the circumstances he was in, even maybe all the emotions he was dealing with, his family selling him into slavery, his family not even checking on him or writing him. Did he ever get an email or a note or any, anything from anybody? Of course, they didn't have emails back then, but he didn't get anything. He was all by himself, and yet he still remained a faithful servant of God. What a great example for us. Again, and, and, and the greatest example of being our Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 says that he is the one that we are to be looking for because he's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And he sets the example. The joy that was set before him, he runs to the cross. He endures the shame that it includes. The contradiction of sinners against himself. He goes through it all. And we are supposed to consider him in our life as we walk by faith after him. You know, we see these examples. We see servanthood. Joseph exhibiting this regardless of his circumstances, regardless of his feelings. And this is the last thing that I want to remind us of is that Servanthood has everything to do with submission to God and obedience to God. We saw that in our notes last week. We can be reminded of how easy we can make the enemy, uh, easy it is for the enemy uh, when we say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to not be faithful to God. I'm going to not serve. I'm going to let my circumstances, I'm going to let my feelings be the things that, that, that are the factors in my servanthood. When we do that, again, we let the enemy say, you know what, now I can get some, some inroads to the kingdom of God. I can, I can stop what these people are doing. I want to celebrate something that happened on Thursday night. We, in the midst of, again, uh, the enemy attacking in different ways. Again, I know other people have experienced attacks, and there's been different type of struggles that people are dealing with. Um, and, but as the pastor, I'm kind of seeing all of these things go on in different aspects of people's lives, and different aspects of ministry, and, and almost like a tension building. There's certain things going on, and then a, a, almost like a, a bubble bursting in the middle of the week. On Thursday night, a young lady gives her life to, to Jesus Christ for salvation at outreach training. So we are, we, are, we are trying to encourage people and equip people to share their faith in, in, the, middle, in the middle of us trying to do that. The Lord says, look, this is what it's all about. I thought, what a beautiful picture of, of being faithful to serve regardless of circumstances, regardless of feelings. And saying, you know what, this is, this is what the battle's about. It's, it's the battle's about men's souls. You know, we, we make this life so much about us, right? Because it, it, it's our lives, and, and it's our stuff, and, it, and it's our families. And, and that's, that's the way we look at it. But we don't look at it as being given to us graciously by God. All of it is. None of us in this room are manufacturing the oxygen that we're breathing. You know who's providing that for us? The Lord. None of us in this room are telling our brains to function in a way to tell the rest of our involuntary system to function. But God is keeping it moving. We have nothing really in and of ourselves. Not, nobody in this room determined that they were going to be born in the freest country in the whole world. But God graciously allowed us to be, be here. So we, we, we look at things differently. We start to, 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 to act like it's all ours when just like that, it's gone. The Bible says that. Your life's a vapor. It appears for a little while, then it's gone. You, we, we're like the, the, the grass that, that appears and then it, that it disappears. We've got to remember, man, our, our, we owe everything to the Lord. It's all about Him. It's all about, he, he loved us so much, and it's so much about him that he left the, 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 the throne and glory and came here 
and exhibited among us what it was about. And he encapsulated it all by saying this, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what it was all about, the will of God. And so this morning, I want to move on and see what God has for us in the next few minutes. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here and what we've experienced so far. Thank you for the members that we have here. Thank you for the guests that we have. Thank you for the salvation this last week. Thank you for the battles. Thank you for the, the trials. Thank you for all the things that, that you use to bring us closer to you, that strengthen us, that help us to face the next things we face in life. God, we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace, so thankful for your word, thankful that we get to open your word and, and see what you have for us this morning as a church body. We realize that we're not here in vain, and we're not trying to go through motions. We're not trying to just go through the things that are ritual or routine. God, this morning, we really want your spirit to, to speak to us. We really want your word uh, to, to stand out and to speak to our hearts. I pray that we would just have ears to hear and eyes to see, Lord, that we would be your people ready to receive. And God, if there's somebody here that maybe they are playing a game, maybe they are trying to be religious, maybe they are trying to go through the motions, or maybe they're not, maybe they're searching, maybe they don't even know about a true relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray this morning would be that day that they come to that realization and they once and for all surrender their life to you. God, we need you to move because we don't want to, this, this moment, this time, this opportunity to be about anything but you. And so, God, we need you. And I pray that you just use me as a vessel uh, so that you and your name and your kingdom and, and, and your word is glorified and, and that alone. And we'll praise you for it. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 40. Verse 5 is where we're going to pick up. And they dreamed a dream, both of them. Now, who are both of them? That's the butler and the baker, the ones that were sent to the prison uh, by the king because they overcooked his grits or spilled coffee on him or something. I don't know. We don't, we're not necessarily told why the butler and the baker, the, the, the first servant and the first baker of the king were sent to prison. But they were sent to prison. And again, we saw last week Joseph served them uh, there. But these two guys, they, they dream a dream, both of them, each, each man his dream, and one night, each man according to the interpretation of the dream. In other words, each man had their own dream, each man had an interpretation of what that dream was. The butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. What a, what a, what a, what a joy it is, right? When you come in and you're smiling, and you're ready to serve, or you're ready to do something, and, and, and people are just not having it. They just, they're sad, they're mad, they're upset. Well, Joseph comes in, and he's ready to serve, and obviously these two guys are sad. And Joseph turns around and walks out. No, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> That's what we want to do sometimes, right? Oh, wrong, wrong place, sorry. I wonder how many pastors, no, I'm just joking. Um, how many pastors do that? Uh, verse 7, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's, off, uh, Lord's house, saying, Whereof look ye so sadly today? Why are you so sad? And they said unto him, Because we've dreamed a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. Uh, our girls often will come in and share their dreams. Avery recently sh shared a dream with us. I'm going to share it with everybody. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> No, we, uh, they, uh, they often dream dreams, and they tell us about it, and sometimes they're, they're funny, sometimes they're weird, sometimes they're like, hmm, interesting. Um, and uh, this is what is going on, right? These guys are perplexed. They're dreaming a dream, and they're like, this is what happened. And it is. It's one of those really kind of weird dreams, and maybe just be able to just dismiss it, except for Joseph, 
uh, had something else to say. And they said, we dreamed a dream, there's no interpretive. Joseph said, look, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me them, I pray you. Listen, tell me what these dreams were. Chief Butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said in him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches, and it was as though they budded, and her blossom shot forth, and clusters of grapes, they burst forth, ripe grapes, and, the, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. And I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup unto Pharaoh. Man, what an amazing dream, right? A guy who's used to serving, a guy, a guy who's used to operating like this, and he's, he's having like a dream that is, is not a nightmare. It's, 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 man, oh, I would love to be able to do that again, be out of this prison, serve. It's like the ideal situation, these, these, this juice, this wine, it, it came out of the vine, and, and, I, and I was able to give it to Pharaoh again. Just says, look, hey, here's a good deal right here. Here's the interpretation. Three branches are three days. Yet within three days... Uh, shall Pharaoh lift up your head and restore thee into thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. So what's going to happen is, is in three days you're going to get your job back, and you're going to serve him exactly like you served him before. He's going to have a change of heart. Everything's going to be good. You'll, you'll, you'll get back to your life just as normal, no problem. Oh, what an amazing news, right? What, what, how, what an amazing, <laughs> encouraging interpretation of a dream. Yes, I knew this was, you know, I mean, you could imagine the, the butler's excitement. This is, what's, this is what, what the deal is. And so he said, uh, but here, here's what I'm going to ask you. Think about me when it's well with you. So whenever you get your job back and everything's hunky-dory with Pharaoh, remember me. Remember that I showed you kindness. And then make mention of me to Pharaoh and, and so that he'll bring me out of this house. So Joseph's saying, listen, it's the right thing to do. You know, I, I, I'm telling you what's happening. It's going to come to pass. And when you're back there, remember me that I, I told you about the dream. You knew it was going to happen, right? I indeed was stolen away out of the hand of the Hebrews. And here also I've done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I got my dream now. Okay. <laughs> oh, this, is, this sounds wonderful. The, the butler gets his job back. The butler gets his life back. And so, I, okay, mine's similar to that. Let me tell you my dream, right? It's, 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 it's very interesting as well. So here's, here's what it is. I had three white baskets on my head. All right, that's just a weird dream too. Like you can see a vine, you can see the clusters of grape, all that kind of stuff, three white baskets on his head. And in the uppermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh and the birds did eat them out of the basket of my head. Does that mean I'm getting my job back too? Joseph answered and said, here's the interpretation thereof. The three baskets were three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift your head off of you and shall hang thee on a tree and the birds shall eat thy flesh from off thee. <laughs> oh! Maybe my dream wasn't quite like that. Let me, let me, let me think about it some more. I, I can't remember, right? You get in your dream and I think it happened like this. So... Maybe that he was like, well, no, 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 that can't happen. But it came to pass the third day that Pharaoh's on Pharaoh's birthday, and he made a feast in all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Here they are. And he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he gave the cup, uh, he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. Right, you would think that not only the fact that he got restored back to his job, 
But the fact that he's sitting there in, in the same room and he's listening to uh, the, the baker's dream get interpreted, and he's like, oh, no. Are you sure you heard my dream right? Because I want, like, is the, is the juice blood? Uh, is it, you know, I mean, it's not that. I really get my job back, right? But you would think that once he got his job back and then once he saw the baker actually get hanged and the birds begin to eat his flesh, that he would say, Woo, that Joe, I'm so thankful he interpreted my dream like that. Hey, Pharaoh, here's the deal. Pharaoh told me this, I mean, uh, Joseph told me this was going to happen. But he didn't do that. Joseph was doing everything right and even turns around and asks, Hey, it's the right thing to do. Remember me when this happens to you. Because I was wrongfully sold into slavery and I was wrongfully imprisoned here even in Egypt. So just let him know, hey, I'm, I haven't done anything wrong, let me out. But we see in verse 23, he did not remember Joseph, but he forgot him. He forgot him. Life point this morning is being faithful in all things is vital in all circumstances of life. Similar to our circumstances can't dictate and our feelings can't dictate, but being faithful our servanthood can't be determined on our feelings and our, and our circumstances. But being faithful is vital in all circumstances of life. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in, in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches, the spiritual things? And if you've not been faithful in that which is somebody else's, Again, what's been given to you, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's what Jesus taught. See, in this life, we begin to make this life all about us, as I said earlier. We begin to make it all about our stuff. We begin to make it all about the life that we're living. And, and, and the reality is, is, is sometimes we, we mess up so much in the unrighteous wealth of this world, the, the, the stuff, the, the mammon, the, the material things. We, we aren't faithful of that. And, and sometimes we wonder why God's not blessing in the spiritual ways and, and that we may desire. We see him blessing in other people. And the Bible says, look, if, if you can't be faithful with, with something that somebody else's, God's given to you, then how are you going to be faithful with that which is your own? See, in your notes there, being faithful points to the principle of entrustment. Being faithful points to the principle of entrustment. That means that you realize that God has entrusted you with his stuff. Look, some of you have kids. Those kids are loaned to you by God. They're given to you. You, you, had, you had no life, no ability. You had nothing in yourself that you could make that happen. It was a blessing of God given to you. Because how many people desire that and can't? How many people misuse that and lives are, are, are taken away? God has given us blessings. And this is what's been entrusted. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, I say through the grace that's given to me. Paul, the grace that's given unto me, this is how I'm speaking, that every man's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. See, God gives us the grace. He gives us even the ability to believe 
He gives us the things that we need. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. It's given to us. Grace, faith, salvation, life, all the things, the blessing is all given to us. Being faithful points to the principle of entrustment. You know why that we can be faithful regardless of our circumstance? is because we can view what God has given to us as just that. God has given it to me. I haven't earned it. I don't deserve it. But God has given to me. And so I will be faithful to the one who has entrusted me with so much. We live in America, that, a, a land of abundance, right? And, and we have so much. We are so, we, we've been entrusted with so much. But my wonder is this. Are we so puffed up with so many blessings in this land that we are not faithful with the most important things that God has entrusted us with. I think so. I think that we make this life, especially as Americans, so much about the life we want versus the life God has called us to. We often pervert, we skew this principle of entrustment. We, we, we turn it into a principle of entitlement. It's not, we, we stop looking at what God has entrusted to us and we begin to think that our lives, that God, we deserve for God to give us certain things. We look at how God blesses other people. We look at how other people live and operate. And we begin to think, that's what I deserve too. When we do this, we lose sight of grace. We lose sight of responsibility. We lose sight of honor. We lose sight of the privilege to serve a king that we're not even worthy to be his servants in the first place of. Joseph could serve. He could remain faithful regardless of his circumstances, regardless if the butler remembered him or not, regardless if he was in a bad state. He could remain that because I believe his view of God as king and Lord over his life remained true. Joseph did what he could do, and he wanted to do it because he did it for the Lord that gave him the life in the first place, even if it was the life in prison. He was faithful. He was serving. And at the end of, his, the end of all of this, you know what happens? We just saw it. He gets burned relationally. I'm going to do this for you. Your life is going to be transformed. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve you, and then I'm going to tell you some good news, and then you're going to go and experience it. And all I want you to do is remember that. And in the in the end, Joseph is burned in that. But this is what Joseph's experienced time and time again, right? He's been burned by his family. He's been burned by his. Uh, his, his boss's wife, he's been burned by his boss, he's been burned by the, 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 the prison, he's been burned by this guy here, time and time again. Yet Joseph has not grown bitter, he's not grown unfaithful, but he has remained through it all. Why? How could Joseph do that? How could Joseph, after being burned so many times relationally, after being burned so many times circumstantially, how could Joseph still be a faithful servant of God through it all with a right heart? Here it is. He chose to. That's what he chose. You and I do what we want to do. If you want to be faithful to God, you choose it. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you're going through, you're either going to choose to be faithful to God because of your perspective of, of what he's entrusted you with, or you choose not to. And I'm not talking about things that are out of our control that keep us from being faithful to God, but we choose what we do. Circumstances can't change it. 
If you, again, want to be faithful to God and the things of God, even the house of God, the things, the word of God, you choose it or you don't choose it. It's a choice. Back in the Old Testament, Joshua presented it to to the children of Israel. What did he say? Choose you this day who you're going to serve. It's a choice. Nobody's going to force you. But if you're the people of God, then serve God. Be faithful to him. But if you're going to choose the gods on the other side, then serve them. But don't say that you serve God and you're not 100% committed to God. You're either for him or you're against him. You're the faithful to him or you're unfaithful to him. That's the way it is, right? Faithfulness is a trait of spiritually maturing person. Somebody who is on their way to spiritual maturity is faithful. We've seen that in our Wednesday night study on spiritual maturity. Faithfulness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that. Goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all of them. But here it is. If faithfulness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit, then guess what unfaithfulness is? Trait of the flesh. You say, I don't know if I agree with that. Let me ask you this. We're talking about faithfulness. Imagine if you were faithful to your spouse, those of you married, as you saw fit. Would that work? I'll be faithful to them as I see fit. Versus being faithful, period. See, it's a principle of faithfulness. It's either you're faithful, you, you have the characteristic, you have the fruit of being faithful. Just like the Bible says, the fruit of the Spirit is being faithful. You're the faithful to God in all things. You are striving to be faithful in all things, or you're not. You're unfaithful. Because we, we, can, we, can, we can't just pick and choose how we apply characteristics or traits. Well, I'm faithful in this, or I'm not faithful. It doesn't apply like that. It is. You're either faithful or you're not faithful. Again, you don't approach your faithfulness to your spouse as you see fit. So let me ask the question, how then can we be unfaithful to the bride of Christ, whom we are a part of at our whim? Well, I don't know that I want to. Imagine, do we we treat our spouse like that? And our spouse is the number one, the most important human social relationship on this earth. And if we don't treat our spouse, which is the most important human social relationship that we have on this earth, how could we ever treat our God who died for us, not our spouse who did not die for us, our God who died for us with a less amount of faithfulness or fidelity. How could we treat him, his bride? And he, oh, I, sometimes I... Furthermore, when we place something at our discretion as more important than the bride of Christ, do we not diminish the importance of the body for which Christ died himself and placed us in? think so see gathering as the people of God has been essential from the time the, in the garden that God, God met with Adam and Eve, Eve in the cool of the day God wants his people together he 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 demonstrated that from the very creation you know what he did to make sure that it was marked he implemented a day where that there would be gathering and worship and rest and he called it the Sabbath. Jesus had this as his custom. The scripture says, we already seen this. His followers gathered together. The church, after the ascension of Christ, the Bible tells us, was gathered together, waiting as he commanded. We're commanded to faithfully assemble as we're doing this morning, as we do often. Because, why? Why do we do this? Because we can't do this as we see fit. We must do it as God directs. 
as he ordained our togetherness. That's what it's designed as. Imagine your relationship with your spouse if you handled it as you handled the bride of Christ. This faithfulness to God's program will provide the open door to the servanthood that we're called into one body, which Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says. Don't use your freedom to do something for your flesh. But use your liberty in Christ to serve one another. That has nothing to do with selfishness. That has everything to do with togetherness. How are you going to serve if you don't gather? And how are you going to know the needs if you don't gather faithfully? Do you find that you get blown back and forth between faithfulness and unfaithfulness? Can you look at your life and say, that's me? Sometimes I go through seasons of being faithful to God in, 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 in anything, in, 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 in my Bible study, in my prayer life, in my giving, in my church attendance, in my, in my serving other people, in my ministry involvement. There's seasons that I'm just like fully engaged, fully serving, and there's seasons that I, that I waver, I become unfaithful. Do other commitments often dictate your faithfulness or your unfaithfulness to God and the things of God? Do circumstances so control your emotions that you can flip the switch of commitment to God off in an instance. I'm committed to God. I'm faithful to God. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. Nothing, no one is above Him. He is my everything. He is my all. Bad circumstances come. I don't know if I'm ever going back. Is that our commitment to God? Is that our faithfulness? To the God who is obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, so that we would have life and life eternal? Joseph shows us that being faithful isn't a relative issue. He, he, he shows us that it, being faithful to God is not an issue of our circumstance. Being faithful to God is not something that can change back and forth or is intended to change back and forth. Again, part of the fruit of the Spirit, evidence of spiritual maturity. And the call of God's people is not relative. It wasn't for Joseph, who was the type of Christ, remember, of the Old Testament. It wasn't for Christ, who is faithful to the end. And it's not for us as people. It's not a relative issue. In other words, we're not to be faithful as long as it's ideal for us to be faithful. He, Joseph wasn't faithful only if things weren't difficult. He wasn't faithful only when things were bad either which can be our indictment on the other side, right? Let's be honest about that this morning. Go through something terrible in a stage where your commitment to God isn't that strong, right? You're not really that faithful to God. You're not really committed to God 100%. And then you go through something terrible in life. And we can turn faithful quick, so quick, so that God can fix that bad situation. But then where do we go from there? Do we go back to serving ourselves? Back to, to living for what we want. Please listen this morning as I close. Don't show your kids or your grandkids that God is a God of our convenience because that's how you treat him through a lack of faithfulness. Don't show them that. Don't show them that, that faithfulness to God is, is a matter of whether it's convenient or not or whether your preferences line up or not. Let's not show them that. Don't show them that God's commands are relative. Well, sometimes, well, we don't have to do that. Don't show our kids that. That his program, his body, 
the bride of Christ, can just be dismissed for a lesser God of this world. Well, the, the body of Christ, yeah, it's important. I, mean, I realize that Christ shed his blood for that, but, I mean, you know, not all, I mean, it's not that important. Is, is that what we want to teach our kids? That we can just dismiss the program of God, the body of Christ, the bride, the unity, the service, for things like self, circumstance, money, anything. This morning, let's show our kids, our grandkids, that God is God. And he is worthy to be followed and served faithfully. Faithfully. I may not feel, my circumstances may be difficult. I may have just been burned again. But I will be faithful. I will be faithful like Joseph. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message, this challenge to my heart, my life, but this challenge to our church. God, I realize that it's not a popular message. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of churches. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty that, that are preaching this type of faithfulness and commitment to your kingdom. But I know it's not a widespread popular message to, to preach what your word tells us about being faithful to you. Again, we saw your teaching, your words, or that if we are not going to be faithful with little, you're not going to entrust us with much. And sometimes we get distracted and discouraged and, and frustrated even when we're not entrusted with much. And we see other people entrusted with much, and we don't understand why we're not. We, understand, we don't understand maybe why we're not growing or we're not experiencing or we're, we're staying in a state of frustration or disillusionment or disenchantment. And sometimes it's just because we're not being faithful. Maybe there's other reasons and other ways and other times, but Lord, help us get this message that our faithfulness isn't to be determined by our circumstances. Lord, we should be faithful to you. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that, Lord, they've never entered into a relationship with you, Lord, they've never surrendered their life. And so this talk of faithfulness and being committed to you is, is not something that really resonates with them. Lord, I pray this morning that if, if they're not sure where they're going to spend eternity, they would come this morning and ask somebody and say, what is this all about? Why is this so important? Lord, just move in this invitation. Help your people respond rightly. We'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.